0: Well, we do want to welcome you to the Going Places podcast today, uh, episode 56, I believe. Uh, Camden Clark here. We are recording from Wisefowl Cafe today, as we've done, as we do every once in a while. Of course, uh, Wisefowl is one of our main sponsors, so uh, shout-out to Wisefowl Cafe at 113 North Shelby. You can check out their menu at Wisefowl Cafe. Uh, Also want to give a shout-out to Sweet Peach Boutique on Ford Baker Boulevard. You can check out the website at sweetpeachboutiquesc.com. And, you know kind of continuing our series we've been doing over the past, probably about since the beginning of the year, in different elections, covering the 2022 elections. You know, uh, we held one for, we held a couple different interviews in the House District 30 race, which we held, and uh, Brian Lawson, you know, we had him on after that, as well as Dennis Stroop, and, uh, of course, Congressman Ralph Norman earlier this year, and, this time we're uh, going to take it a little bit more locally. Uh, as you know, we were core from Blacksburg and we have an election this year uh, for council as well, as well as mail. And we are with Nina Cobb, who uh, she's from Blacksburg, she's so also an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur, uh, as uh, Yellowwood Photography? Um,
1: Nina, Cobb, Yellowwood Nina, Nina, Wood,
0: Nina, Nina Cobb, Yellowwood Creative. Nina Cobb, Yellowwood Creative photography she also serves as the chairwoman of the planning committee i mean commission and she has been active in the town whether uh at the council meetings or whatever and she's doing a writing campaign for the 2022 mayoral election nina thank you for being with us
1: oh, my pleasure
0: so um would you like to kind of introduce yourself at first and uh, what you do and what you're doing now
1: okay hi i'm nina and um i am um a wife a mother a grandmother and an entrepreneur and um the uh the writing campaign um actually started just just a very short time ago Um, i was uh, educating a few people locally um, that were concerned about their the limited uh, choices they had on the their ballot for upcoming coming town elections and So I was um, talking to them about approaching people that they um, had great respect for and asking if they could uh, do a write-in campaign um, for their their local districts. And um, so if you don't like what's on the ballot, I mean, you do have choices. You can show up and and vote for um, other things and the the one person or thing that you don't like, you can say none of the above. Or you can do a write-in campaign. Um, and so after having these conversations, and this this conversation took place with several people, um, I had several people actually reach out to me and said, Hey, <laughs> I want to do a write-in campaign for you as mayor. Would would you serve if you were elected in a, in a write-in? And I said, Sure. So here we are.
0: All right. So, um... With that being said, what would be kind of your vision
1: for the town? Um, I have a strong town vision and um, encourage anybody to uh, go to strongtowns.org and you can really find an incredible amount of information on that website for where I come from. Um, A strong town is not based on its size, um, but it is, it is absolutely based on in, its ability to survive and to thrive and to, to, um, to really grow the, the residents and the businesses that, that are located there. Um, so yeah, strong town.
0: Great. Okay. Well, we'll I'll actually haven't checked that out, but I definitely will. Yeah. And I'll do that. And so if someone, you know. Especially in kind of the uh, area in which we live in, a lot of times, you know, you have someone get elected and they'll solve, you know, for decades a lot of times. Yes. And it's, it is very hard to run against an incumbent and way. It win. is.
1: It is. And this is why a lot of people aren't inspired to actually um, uh, put in the effort if there is an incumbent involved. Because they, they feel like it's a waste of their time and resources because it is incredibly, incredibly difficult to, to beat an established name. Um, and it doesn't matter how how great the person is, or how horrible the person is, you know, serving in that in the capacity that they've been elected to. Um, people just, they they love the familiar, and um, they don't like to step out of their comfort zone.
0: I think that's what it comes to a lot of times is, yeah. oh, I'm uncomfortable with that, or, well, this is the way it's always been. Yes. Or they use kind of the, not yes. always the best answers, but the ones that are most comfortable a lot of times, maybe thinking with their heart instead of their head.
1: Yes. In yes. Well, I mean, you know, you. It, it, I feel like it's kind of easy to feed people um, the information that they want to hear. And a a theme in our area seems to be, well, we don't want to change or we don't want to evolve into Charlotte. Well, I mean, the truth is, is we're not evolving into Charlotte. Um, We are um, a very small footprint. Um, We are a small town, but we can be a better small town. And... um, I don't feel like anyone that lives here has a desire to live in Charlotte because if we did, we would move to Charlotte. Um, But there are, you can have a thriving small town, and we are surrounded by thriving small towns. Um, We, I mean, I travel to and through them on on a quite regular basis, as do most people in this town. Um, The reality, for a small business in this town, and I'm a big fan of a small business. I am, I, I, I am one. <laughs> of course, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Um, a lot of people get caught up with with corporations, big corporations or chains. You know, they want to see a chain store come to to their area, and they think that's a sign of prosperity. But your core commercial small business type entrepreneurs—that's where the backbone of your of your tax base really is. Um, so not that I don't like a Chick Fil A or a Krispy Kreme, but I mean, I, I'm I I want to spend my money locally. I want to spend it with that 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 small family that's trying to do dance lessons and and pay for tuition and what yeah. have you for their own family. Yeah. And I will choose I will choose to support that over the chain when given the opportunity.
0: I mean, look where we're at now. Right. I mean, it's easy to you know we could go to Gaffney. And you know, get you know, a chain cafe or anything like that. But you're really, when you're investing in small town and small businesses, especially in small towns, you're really giving back to the community. Yes. Uh, You're helping the local economy. Yes. And helping people. I think that's what's really important. Another thing that I've thought about is you know, so many times it's like uh, they think that because it is such a small town that it's almost impossible to. Like, there's no happy medium be- between uh, dead and crappy small town, nice small town, and big city. Yes. So, I think there, there has to be, you know, I think another thing, too, is that people oftentimes embrace mediocrity in their life. Yes. <laughs> when it's like, well, because maybe it's most comfortable, it's the safest option, or yes. that's the way it's always been. And when, in actuality, it would probably be better to have a better to be not not necessarily progressive, but progress, make progress. Yes, yes. So I think that's something that has definitely plagued certain communities as well.
1: Yes. Um, I know if you use the word progressive, um, typically your older generation, their heads explode a little bit because they're thinking, you know, raging, liberal, you know, yeah run topless through town smoking weed and and all of that all of that stuff but it's not progressive just means that you are progressing or you're moving towards the future that is happening um the the reality is is that change is happening and i'm and i actually feel really confident just in the fact that we have a a town administrator now that is um, very proactive and um, he, is, he is, has been working diligently towards um, um, identifying our infrastructure, what we have, our resources, and um, being able to, to map and catalog who we are, you know, as, as far as, as, as our resources go. And then when, when these, these um, uh, happenings around us, they they come to us and they say, hey, you know, we want to we want to uh, uh, tap into your water. We can look at our water supply and say, oh, well, you know, we do have the res- resources to move forward with this project, or we don't. And just because somebody's coming in a- around us, outside of our town limits, doesn't necessarily mean that 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 they're going to come into our limits. And. But if they're using our resources, we have to know what the resources are. We have to know our limitations on that. And we also have to to declare who's going to pay for that. And I am not a fan of subsidizing a a big corporation that can pay their own way. Um, No, my tax dollars you know, as a resident and a business owner should not be subsidizing someone that can pay their own way. So if you're gonna do it for the big guy, you better be doing it for the little guy. Yeah.
0: Do you think we've maybe lost sight of that a lot of times in town governments with financial?
1: Yes, absolutely, because we mismanage money Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna give a shout out to Dennis Stroop, one of the absolute most incredible um, budget people that has ever served on our council. Um just he 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 was very strong um, um, in in maintaining um, a balanced budget and saving money and our our administrator that is that is his focus also is um, not spending money unnecessarily or frivolously um, we need um, <laughs> we need um, more people like this um, we 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 lose sight when we, when we don't take care of what's in front of us. And a lot of people that come onto councils, they, they have a grandiose idea of, well, if we just expand our borders and start annexing in all of these residences or businesses and corporations, then we're going to be able to pay for everything. But if you're not, if you're not fiscally sound... When you start expanding your borders you 're not going to magically become fiscally sound because this new thing is paying for the old stuff, but now we need another new thing to pay for the the new Stop. thing yeah. so it 's kicking the can down the road and it's it it's just an in perpetuity awful cycle that we we can't we cannot be focused on on trying to to grow in a manner that, that's trying to take care of the old. We've got to be able to, to take care of where we're at now. And so...
0: Yeah. Well, so what is the best way for us to start growth in the here and now? Not necessarily you know, if with what we have right now in our town, what would be the best way to do the best growth?
1: Well, one of the ways that, that we can um... Um, really foster the, the good positive small town growth um, is, is focusing on a, a what I call a public-private um, uh, working relationship. Um, when, when your local government is committed to, to doing things with the tax dollars that they are collecting um, that promote uh, people to, to travel to your, your uh, business districts um, to spend time and money, et cetera, um, then it actually increases the town's revenue because the businesses are growing. A lot of council people feel like, you know, it's not their responsibility to to um, um, work with businesses. You know, well, if you want to open a business, you know, it's not my place to, to help you or to hurt you. Just, you know, you do you boo. And and, no. and that's not that's not how it works. So I'm going to I'm going to throw it out streetscapes are one of the most important things for a a a town. Appropriate shade, shade trees. You want to encourage pedestrian traffic. Pedestrian traffic is the lifeblood of of a business district.
0: Why is that?
1: Well, because if you if you're focused on cars, cars are just traveling through. They they want to get from point A to point B. And we're not some big metropolis that is attracting people here. But if you have people traveling through and they're going slow enough because your roads are designed for pedestrians, then they actually take a look at what's around and they're like, oh, there's things here. Let me nice. stop. Yeah. Let me stop and investigate. And then they end up buying a cup of coffee at the local coffee shop and then they wander into the the boutique next door and maybe they'll go have lunch at, you know, the little Chinese restaurant or the Mexican restaurant or the Uptown Grill or wherever. And and then if they have a positive experience, they're going to come back. So to expect a, a town of 1,800 people to support the businesses here is not reasonable. It's not. I can't go out to eat every day. Yeah. I can't go out to eat three times a day every day. So we need more people that are going to, to um, help support these, these businesses. And so how do you do that? You make it attractive, not, not in a necessarily in a touristy type way. But in a way that it encourages people from the Grover community, the Kings Mountain community, the York community, even the Gaffney community to say, hey, we're going to go hang out in Blacksburg for a couple hours and spend, spend, spend our money.
0: Great. Yeah. What would you say that, what would you say in your time, whether it be around the council or on the commission for planning, what would you say is the uh, greatest asset you've maybe launched or, or maybe that you have uh, participated on, something like that?
1: Okay, um, <laughs> so uh, the commission that I have been serving with the Planning Commission for the the past eight years, um, we have been taking baby steps in updating our uh, zoning ordinances, um, and and I call it a baby step because we you you have to be diligent that that you're making um, wise decisions with zoning. Um, you should. You, you should be doing things that are going to help your community be a better community without being unnecessarily over-controlling. We yes. don't want to be a monstrous HOA-type thing. No. Um, so we have been on pause for uh, several months with, with working on the, the, the updating um, because we were waiting on our uh, infrastructure um, assessment to, to be completed and um, really ex- what i'm super excited about is that we are finally um, uh, going to be working on our um, our master plan basically for the town um, this process has has just started and it's going to take many months to develop um, but a comprehensive plan is required by law and every municipality in the state of South Carolina is supposed to have one. Um, Blacksburg had one like 25 years ago and somewhere over the years, the plan disappeared. And I think we forgot that we're supposed to have one. And so uh, uh, so Dalton, um, our administrator, um, he has, uh, when he saw that we were missing that that component, um, he, he let council know that we were missing it and that we, we need to, to get focused and, and get one in place so that we can be in compliance with, um, with our obligations. And so the comprehensive plan is, is a beautiful document that will explore where we've been in the past and it will say where we're at right now But it's also future focused in that where we see our town going and growing and how we're gonna get there. And the beauty of a master of of that that type of plan is that it 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 levels the 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 political field so to speak. So anyone that comes on council is now obligated by law to to that plan. And so you can you can promise whatever you want to to each individual person, but that plan holds you accountable, and you can you can you can see the steps that people are taking um, on council to follow that plan. Now, it's it's a living document; it's not carved in stone. So we are enc- the state encourages that that plan is is looked at frequently, and updated at least every ten years. Because sometimes you're, you think you're going in one direction, and then you end up not really. Your town tells you what it wants to be. And so you have to, to adjust and accommodate and refresh. And that simply changes just because of your population. So, you know, if your population starts getting younger, the focus may become a little bit different. Um, if your uh, population starts um, growing from people moving here from other places um, that can start you know generating um, a direction that's a little different and so the the comprehensive plan is meant to be looked at worked towards and adjusted accordingly but it whole it does hold a council accountable to the people because the people can look at the plan and go hey <laughs> why aren't we, we do doing this thing yeah. <laughs> what are we doing here um so, so
0: anyway i think that's one thing that also i actually didn't know that but you would think that I'm, I'm trying to figure out how that even how we even got away from that Do so you think if you're required by the state to have a comprehensive plan and you just
1: You don't, yeah. Yeah, that that doesn't really happen. Right? How did that happen? And we're not really sure how that happened and exactly when that happened. And I'm not sure at this point really that that's um, even important anymore. Uh, The important thing is that it's being rectified. Right. And so that's exciting. And not only that, but developers, be it small to you know small entrepreneurs all the way to, to larger corporations, the first thing they want to see when they are looking at your area is your comprehensive plan because will their development, their plan fit into what you, you know, are doing in your own town? And if you're not a good fit, they want to go where they are a good fit. So if your comprehensive plan says we refuse to grow any more than what we are right now, we're not developing our downtown spaces. We're not encouraging people to open up businesses. Then people need to know that. Sure. <laughs> but if you have a comprehensive plan that says, "Hey, we're we're a mom and pop, you know, centered with maybe some some out you know outlier businesses um, that are maybe a little more chain focused," um, it it would uh, it would let that chain know that they're welcome, but where they're welcome yes. and how they fit in. And it would also let that mom and pop know that, you know, the town is focused on on developing a, a strong business focus. And that our our residential communities, um, you know, are going to remain residential. And I think a lot of people Definitely. are afraid of that. They, that yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. I mean, people I know are,
1: yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's
0: another thing, too. You have to, you know, th- these are like little, like you said, baby steps that are being taken to move this town and hopefully a vital direction with just having a comprehensive plan that you can look at and say hey we have to do this above all else hey we have to at least do this yes and I think that's something that's extremely important and I'm glad we're doing that um something on there you want to
1: um so I mean new business development is 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 Always going to be an important aspect of, of government any town here? Um, for any town and to think that we don't need new 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 business or even new residential is um, um, not it's not good thinking to have um, a, a government a local government only survives because it is collecting from its tax base yeah. and that is a shared a responsibility between residential and business, and so if you are not developing and um, not growing um, a strong business um, um, area and a strong residential area, then you're losing money and you cannot. A government cannot cannot sustain itself without its tax base. Definitely. Um, one of the thing I think one of my pet peeves. <laughs> Yeah. And several members of council have heard this from me over the years, is our local business license. It's it's a third income tax for especially small businesses. I mean, we are taxed, 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 taxed. And then at the local level, we're taxed with a business license. A, you have to have pay for this permission, you know, to to do business in this town. And that can be actually very off putting to a lot of businesses. And we also have a lot of businesses that are operating under the radar because of all of the, the regulations and expenses, et cetera. It helps people come out of the dark, you know? Um, I think that a, 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 a business registration is different than a license. Yeah. A registration is a one time deal, and you, you know, you can do a one time deal declaring that you're here and um, also declaring when you leave. Um, but the, the annual business license is insulting on a, on a tax level.
0: So let's talk about that. What exactly goes into that? <laughs> what all do you have to, is it, is it t- tell us about that.
1: Okay, so if you want to operate a business in the town of Blacksburg, um, you go to town hall and you ask for a business license application and you fill in the little questionnaire, who you are, what you're doing, your business class, et cetera, et cetera. And then they will determine, you know, what your business license fee will be. Um, and they base that um, based off of, of what type of, of industry you're in. Um, the core commercial businesses do get a better deal on their their business license. So it's not, a, it's not equal and it's not equitable. And... Um, so your big corporations can can end up paying actually less than um, your small ones at the, the initial base. Um, it's like you know the base uh, for my business license. I think it went down to went down actually went down to fifty five dollars per year, and that's just for the first couple thousand dollars. So if you make more than a couple thousand dollars, they're going to take a percentage of every thousand dollars on top of that infinity right yeah right and i'm paying business personal tax i'm paying income tax i'm paying you know it's
0: you're paying your little taxes you all
1: the taxes yeah. and the sales tax collecting sales tax on because i am a service industry and yeah and then it's like oh no we're gonna we're gonna tax you again with this business license
0: What's okay so obviously you know that's terrible and if you're talking from the point of taxation i think you know we all agree that we're not you know fans of taxes fail at all Absolutely. So, what would you say now?
1: Here's the
0: thing. I'm against taxes. I would say lower taxes are at, until, right. You meet the meat, but it's like, one thing that I hear so many, I guess, politicians say. Okay, well, if we reduce taxes or if we abolish taxes, what are we going to use that money with? What is the alternative option to still get that town that money that they would need? Because they say ta- the government would have to operate on. tax money is there not something else that the government could do to get money
1: well i I don't know that that we need to focus on how does the government necessarily get money exactly i'm i'm a person that says can it be privatized so if if something can can go into private industry that's where we need to be focused so from a from a a town perspective And, and and let me give you an example of that um, let's say, mm, I don't know, mowing, okay? The, the town is uh, obligated to mow its own properties that it owns. Yep. Um, and it, it's not obligated to mow private property, right? Yeah. But we have to pay someone to mow the town's town-owned property. Yes. Um, the majority of the streets in our town are not owned by the town. They're actually owned by the South Carolina Department of Transportation, so they are um, the DOT responsibility. Yeah. Um, there are people that think that the the town would never, ever, ever, ever um, be mowed appropriately unless the government were doing it, right? Mm-hmm. So the South Carolina DOT owned property in front of my home, I mow it. Nobody has what? to be paid because it makes my house look good. Okay, so that's an overgrown lot or overgrown um, um area in front of your home doesn't make you look good. So I don't want to I don't want my house to look you know, trashy and overgrown. And so, is
0: there someone that can't? So, you would think, okay, the town cuts their grass, you cut their grass. Department of Transportation cuts, cuts their glass, grass, but they don't?
1: The tr- no, the South Carolina DOT has not mowed for a very long time in the town of Blacksburg. The town of Blacksburg was mowing for them.
0: Oh, okay. And they
1: were not, but they weren't reimbursing the town for that.
0: Wow. Okay, so
1: taxpayers that. were paying yes. that. Okay? Pay, we were yeah. paying that. were paying yeah. Yeah. So we're actually double paying it because we're already paying the, the DOT for DOT stuff, right? And DOT was not using those funds to, to take care of of their, their streets. But we as taxpayers are paying our town employees yes. to do the DOT's job. Not good. Not good. So if the DOT doesn't want to do it, then, you know
0: give up the land.
1: Give up the land.
0: That's fair. Right. And that's also on, on top of that that's okay. Say and this is this sounds like something like, this, this sounds logical to me if the if Portman of transportation gives it up and maybe and you say, "Hey, you know what? I want to buy that land."
1: Yeah.
0: You could buy that land and then that's also more land for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, chances are the DOT may not have necessarily purchased that land to begin with. It oh, they just kind of got it, it? could have been, you know, that it was, oh, you know, we're we're taking the land for the public good. So, okay. how about let's figure out if they actually paid for it. Okay. And if they didn't, then maybe just give it back.
0: Yep. Yeah, That would be fair. That would be
1: fair.
0: All right. Well, that yeah. sounds good. Uh, another thing would be, do you feel like you know, if you talk about it from an economic standpoint, of course, promoting small businesses, uh, you know, well, on, on the, uh, on the subject of infrastructure, would you say that, you know, if you drive around Blacksburg, especially, you know, kind of the area where I live, I live a little bit, I live, you know, right off of Main Street, but it's actually not in the town limits. Correct. Um, uh, yeah. would you say that it's, from a perspective of, you know, someone wants to always want to fix the roads and, you know, do all that, but something else that's a bum, would be like, um, you know, it used to be the town, yeah, if a tree fell, or you cut down a tree, or you rake the leaves, or you just have junk that you want to get rid of, it used to be the town would pick that up. Correct. And they're really not doing that much Correct. anymore.
1: Okay, so... That's th- just a question I've had. Yeah, okay, so we, we have had um, um, uh, basically the ability for many, many years that... The, um, the town has allowed its residents to put um, limb and leaf debris to the curb, and we would pick that up. And, but we also included um, specific, very specific household items that could be put to the curb to be picked up. There are some things that the town will not and cannot pick up. Um, electronics, you know, old televisions, um, those things are things that you have to d- dispose of yourself at the landfill. And a lot of people don't want to take them to the landfill because they charge you a disposal fee for the electronics. And they charge you a disposal fee for tires. Um, These are things that are very expensive to, you know, to get rid of. Um, But the town does not pick up tires. They do not pick up electronics. Cardboard, a lot of cardboard ends up on the curb. But we have a recycling center. You are expected to either tear your cardboard down and put it in your personal trash can or take it to the recycling center if you don't want to put it in your trash can. Um, You can actually be charged with littering if you put cardboard to the curb. Um, Appliances are, um, especially refrigerators, are another thing. Um, Like, disposal of these things, these things can be dangerous in that they have doors that can shut and could, if you know, child got in there and was trapped, could you know, it could be disastrous. So there are certain rules for these types of things. You have to remove the doors, or you have to actually um, prevent the door from being opened. So you basically have to chain it shut. Um, over the years, I've lived in in the town proper for the past 24 years, and it has been a rare occurrence for the town to pick up household debris from my home. Because (laughs) um, we have uh, we have people that drive through town looking for what I call roadsideia. It's things that people don't want anymore, but it's a treasure to somebody else, right? And so it has been a rare occasion that anything that I have curbed for pickup that has actually been picked up by the town. Um, The we have a lot of rental properties in our town and the problem comes in in that landlords when they evict their their renters by state law they are required to put their their things to the curb and those things can be like humongous piles of things and then we have these huge piles of household things sitting at the curb for days and days and days at a time because the landlords don't come back at the end of the 48 hours and remove it um and yeah um but i mean there are remedies for 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 things like this but council has to be you know a there needs to be a council uh majority that is willing to tackle how to how to handle that specific issue but in recent in in the in recent time we have um, actually contracted out with a private company to handle the the debris pickup we contracted with them for one day a week so on Mondays they are to come to town and pick up whatever has been curbed well the problem is is there is so much that this company can't pick it up in one day so now we have things accumulating and it's just getting terrible because this company was not contracted to pick the pick it up on a daily basis so before that we were supposed to have a a person um that did that daily so uh, when i first moved to town uh, mr martin was was our uh, boom truck operator and that man was amazing. He was meticulous, and he did his job so well. And it was rare that anything sat at the curb more than a day. <laughs> um, it, it, he just, that was his job, and he he, he loved to clean town, and he took pride in doing a job well. And um, when, when he was no longer um, doing the job, it seemed like the, the the next person that took over the job would only pick up if told to pick up. And so a lot of people weren't calling it in saying that they had it. So, I think, so yeah. it would just sit there longer and longer and longer. And it, it's just been a mess for, for several years. And um, so we were playing around, you know, with the idea of of contracting this out. And so i'm i'm of the opinion that that uh the household part of the the debris thing can just go away it can just go away and people can just take their own things to goodwill or you know if it's salvageable and usable take it to a a charity um if it's not take it to the landfill it's not hard to get to the landfill it's very close by actually that's fair um the limb and leaf debris pickup, on the other hand i think that we will probably always have a need for that uh, because we do have very strict laws on burning within a you know within the town as we should um we don't want to burn the town down yeah um but i think the household um garbage part of it just needs to go away and um and and I think it would be a lot easier to manage the uh, leaf and limb debris pickup. But if we're only going to do it one, one day a week, then we're going to have to limit how people, how, how people do that. And it could be you're assigned, you know, a Monday out of the month that, you know, your area is allowed to do that. And that uh, that contracting company picks it up on Monday yeah. <laughs> in this district, that would be fair. <laughs> and that wouldn't that would be fair, or we have to pay you know for them to come more often and so it's do does the do we use our tax dollars to pay for this, or do we tell the individual that they they need to pay for it individually? so I wouldn't mind paying for my own, yeah, so. Um, you know, if the town decided um, that the, the the smartest thing to do from a fiscal standpoint is um, if you want your, your things curbed and picked up at your house, um, then when we send you call in to have it picked up, we're going to add, you know, whatever the cost of that is on your water bill for the month. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind doing that. I don't um, mind paying yeah, my own that's way. Fair. That's fair. Um, but if you don't want to pay for that, then you're just going to load it up in your truck or borrow a truck from a friend, relative, whatever, and you're going to take it to the landfill yourself. Yeah, that's fair.
0: So, you want to get into that a little bit?
1: Oh, municipal training. <laughs> well, I'm municipal training. Head, yeah. um, municipal training is um, basically, there are opportunities um, uh, throughout the the um, tenure of anyone that serves um, on council um, to attend training with the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Um, The municipal training actually uh, will teach you the scope of of what you're allowed to do as a as a council person or whatever position you hold. Um, On the training commission I am required to have to do, I did an initial um, training class, six hour class with uh, um, ACOG in Greenville. Um, they trained us on what we were allowed to do and the, the scope of, of, of who we are. And we have to do three, at least three hours of continuing ed in that regard every year. We have no requirement for council to have any kind of training none, but we have had council people that volunteered to do it. Um, Dennis did it. Um, I want to say that I want to say that Janie did it when she was on council and I believe that Darren has Darren. I think Darren has done it but they, you know they've signed up for these, these classes and became basically certified in, yeah, and so they kind of know what they're doing. (laughs) Um, and it makes a better council person when when they when they receive that training. So I would love to see council um, implement its own um, training standards for for sitting on that council.
0: Definitely. Absolutely, so, that's definitely yeah. a point. You know, I think. And I think that also goes into the thing about that is that for this, that would definitely become much more of an investment for these people.
1: Absolutely, and you see
0: that's ideal for if someone who is truly yes. devoted to it and is that's yes. not a problem for right. But for some of these people who right. maybe aren't, they uh, they don't have time for that.
1: They don't have time for that, right? And you know, it, as a, as a small business owner, it would be um, relatively. Um, easy for me to to schedule where I could go for that sometimes it's like a one-day training some a lot of times it's like a three-day training so you know so you you have to be able to make time in your schedule to be able to do that and so I'm like if you're in an industry though where you can't um, you're not going to be able to meet the requirements of the of the office that you're holding then maybe maybe you don't need to be in that office yes so, because you're not doing a, a service to your constituents, to, yeah. to, to the people of this town.
0: That is totally fair. And we
1: deserve, we deserve to to have people that are that dedicated. That's totally fair. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah.
0: Now, uh, one thing, you know, I've talked about on this show multiple multiple times would be, you know, Uh, I've been very vocal about, you know, what I would like to do Mm -hmm. in the town as well. So what would be your advice to me or anyone else considering I went for local office?
1: Okay. (laughs) Pray. (laughs) Pray. That's my number one. Pray. Um, Pray diligently about it. And um, know what you are allowed to do. What are your boundaries? Boundaries are a good thing. They they protect people and they protect entities. And a lot of people try to overreach. They think they can overreach. It's like, well you put me in office and I'll clean this town up. Well, how are you gonna do that? What does that even mean? That's you know? What does that even mean? And a lot of times what they don't understand is that, is that we have laws on the book zoning ordinances ordinances are our local laws so we have local laws we have county laws state laws and federal laws and a lot of times we forget that we have local laws and those local laws are things that keep us cleaned up so um, um, but we have we have lost focus on zoning compliance over the last 20 years Before that, we we seemed to be real really we did a really good job at having um, uh, someone that knew our local ordinances that would um, in a I think in a very friendly way they would go to people and say Hey you're gonna have to mow your grass (laughs) Hey you've got junk accumulating in your yard You're gonna have to remove it We don't we don't let the junk accumulate because it encourages rats. And snakes and people don 't want snakes in their yard, but they put junk in their yard that attracts rats that attracts snakes, so we don't want the vermin, so we have what what I would call clean practices to keep the vermin out of our incorporated area I mean it is urban living, even though it's small town it 's still an urban environment we 're very close together, dense population you don't you don't want your neighbors doing doing stuff that that's going to draw in the, the critters that are going to adversely affect you know your community. Um, so I've noticed that we have um, coyote <laughs> traveling through town. Um, coyote are attracted by you know rats. They they're looking for food. Um, they are attracted by farm animals and you know we're not supposed to have farm animals in in town but i think there's several people that are doing it anyway yep. and and there's reasons that you know things like this are governed in in densely populated areas yep. um, and so absolutely yeah so we don't we don't really focus too much on compliance with our town yep. we have we have some some really decent things on you know as far as our ordinances go, but we just don't have, yes. yeah, it's like, enforcement. It's like,
0: it's great to have laws, but you have, who's going to enforce
1: them? Right. How do we enforce that? And okay. how do we do that, though? And I'm not a, I'm not a beat somebody up kind of person. I I'm I'm, I love to educate people. Yeah. And, a, you know, and I understand, I live in the South. I grew up in Kings Creek. Yeah. <laughs> and I grew wow. up in a family that had the attitude, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Yeah. And um, and I'm like, was well, sometimes your your rights end where mine begin? Yes. And I have a right to to live in a densely populated area without being, you know, surrounded by vermin Absolutely. because of your living standards. Yeah. So if you want your
0: poor living standards shouldn't affect my good living my, standards,
1: right? Yes. And so if you want to live that loosely and that. Um, negatively then city living is not for you so I lived in the country (laughs) I lived in farming country that was eventually sold off into you know development type stuff and we made the conscious decision to move into the town limits simply because there was more protection of us and our property than there was it was the wild wild west you know where 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 I was at, and it's not, and we didn't want to live in the wild wild west. We yeah. chose to come here for those protections, and then you know about four years we're in, things, you know, lots are being overgrown, become overgrown, and nobody's really following up on that. Uh, people are having trash piles and old oh, dead cars. That's another of, of the things that we're not supposed to have. You know it's like if your vehicle is not running, it's not insured, and you know it you're supposed to remove it from the property or store it in an enclosed um, building and yeah, so old cars are another attractant for critters, yeah, so. Right. But anyway, enforcement of, of our local ordinances is, uh, is a very important thing. And, and, you know, it's sometimes it means that you have to pay for that. And so I think that if council polled, the, actually polled the town, they would find that people would not mind a very small millage increase in order to have, you know, um, a codes enforcement. So I, I'm happy to pay for that. See, once again... If someone wants to pay for that, do we do that through government or do we okay, do that? You know, do we privatize privatize that? And can we privatize? We actually can. But I'm more than I'm more than willing to to pay for that type of a coverage, just like I'm willing to pay for the fire coverage. You know, so.
0: And uh, I guess one thing about the 50-minute mark. So, what would you, what is your push to this is this is you can say whatever you want this is your general statement to the voters whether they write you in whether you would just like to educate them
1: right
0: uh what would you like to say to them
1: um
0: what's your message
1: we have choices every day and we can choose to to um be proactive in life or we can choose to just sit still and let life happen to us. Um, I feel like voting is an important part of of who we are as a people. And votes do matter, they count. And I'm a firm believer in term limits. It's statistically speaking, um, Politicians have about eight good years of of effectiveness when when they are elected, and after that, they're they're usually not as uh, as effective as they were in the very beginning, or they start just not caring quite as much,
0: being more susceptible to being maybe
1: manipulated and and what have you. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I believe in term limits, and I believe people should term limit themselves. And I feel like if people aren't willing to do that, then the, the, the government seats that they sit in, they do have the power to institute term limits. So I think it would be really great um, to, to be a part of a council that says, hey, we're going to limit. You know, the, we're, no, we're, we're not a monarchy where we don't want a lifetime appointment of of people. We want fresh people, fresh ideas, fresh passion. Um, I'd love to see more young people um, get involved. Um, Hey, it's your future, you know? (laughs) It is your future. And I would love to see more young people uh, become involved and to develop a town that they want to remain in, you know? And I would love to, to be a part of creating an environment that my own children want to stay in and that my grandchildren, you know, they may leave to go to college, but they want to come back because it is, it is a strong environment. Absolutely.
0: So. Anything else you'd like to say or talk about? Anything else?
1: Um, don't believe all the rumors you hear. <laughs>
0: Definitely, definitely,
1: (laughs) I can rock that, yeah. And if people are talking smack about me, I was probably between the ages of 12 and 14, um, and uh, the Lord has been good to me, and um, He has uh, has worked in my life, and um, I am no longer that child. Um, I am a grown woman who has uh, loved the Lord and her family and her community, and I am outspoken, And I am hardworking, and I don't mind doing the work.
0: Good. Well, why didn't I know? cop if you're voting
1: in the mayoral election at Blacksburg? Yes, thank you. Thank you very much for coming on. You're welcome.